Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 652 with a review of Our Friend. I'm Christopher Schnazy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, this week, we are talking about uh, this film, Our Friend, which is available right now for uh, rental. Um, you know, this is a premium $20 rental, um, but it is available on a number of platforms. And then also in the feeds, we'll help, we will have a review of The White Tiger, which is currently streaming on Netflix. Um, so, Stephen, to get this episode started, um, I have a question for you, a historical question and a prediction that I'll ask you for about this episode. Interesting. Okay. Long time listeners to the show, I mean, long time as in like the Carson years, um, may mm-hmm. have known about a little thing that is the curse of Casey Affleck on this podcast. Right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there, there is, um, there's this, this, this curse and I, and I call it Carson because he's the one that sort of coined this and called this out. Um, so for people who weren't with us all this time, um, since the new site went up and there was like, I can historically look back and search for these episodes very, very easily. Um, there were five films that we reviewed, um, that, that, that had Casey Affleck in them. Um, it is Out of the Furnace, which I gave a wait for rental, Triple Nine, which I gave a must avoid, The Finest Hours, which I gave a must avoid, Manchester by the Sea, which I gave a wait for rental, and Ghost Story, which I abstained from giving a review to. Mm-hmm. Um, so historically... The coward's way out. <laughs> so historically, we have never been able to see a film with Casey Affleck um, that I was positive in any way on. <laughs> I mean, yep. there were things I may have... When you or, say positive anyway, you mean like you rated it higher than rental. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so my question for you, Stephen, is do you think this will be the first film to break the mold and elevate a Casey Affleck film above Wait for Rental for me? See, this is this is an interesting question because there are multiple things at work. I, you know, the, there's the curse of Casey Affleck, but then movies like End of the Tour and The Discovery tell me that you get an <laughs> unnatural lift from Jason Siegel yeah, that, yeah. that can also come into play. And I don't remember where you stand on Dakota Johnson, but I feel I feel like you're at least neutral there, if not lifting. <laughs> so I, yeah, I feel yeah. like there, there are many opportunities for this to lift you out of the Catholic, Affleck slump. Here's the yeah. thing. I don't know... I don't know how positive you will be on this movie. I feel like I'd be surprised if you are very negative on the movie. And that makes me want to, if I'm a betting man, I'm going to say this breaks the curse. If, like, <laughs> if, if the ground right now is rental, I'm going to say this one lifts up a little bit more for you at least. So we'll see. At the same time, we'll get into it. This reminds me of a couple movies that I know we were not hot on. So we'll, we'll, we'll find out. But I'm putting cards on the table. I think this breaks the Casey Affleck curse. Without without giving it away yet, um, is one of those films also about a man who decides to write a story about one thing and writes it about another? Um, no, uh, I'm actually thinking about a movie that is about... Let's see if you can get the movie from this description. I'm going to try to anonymize it slightly. Much like this, it is a movie that is based on a written source material... That was a memoir of sorts for a person who went through something hard. At a certain point, they go on a hike to find themselves because of a feeling lost in the world. Uh, marital infidelity plays a role 
in both films. Both of them hew very tightly to the source material when perhaps the story does not actually require them to do so. Can you name that movie? Does this film involve a horse tattoo? (laughs) Yeah, I I believe so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It stars Reese Witherspoon. Yes. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I I want to say that movie is called like Wild or something, but I can't remember the yep. actual title. Yeah, okay, Wild. Cool. Exactly. <laughs> Similarly impossible to Google. That would have been one of one of the things. All right. Well, I mean, it seems like we have a game afoot here. So whether or not either yep. of us like this film, there's at least one thing that can be achieved over the course of this episode. So what do you say, Steve, when we get into it? Let's do it. We're going to take a listen to the trailer for Our Friend, and then we're going to come back and give you a review. Matt, hang on. Matt, open the door. Dana, hang on. Oh, my God. Matt! What did you do that for? That's, uh, that's an easy fix. I, got, I have a, a screwdriver in the car. I thought about doing stand-up comedy. You tell jokes? It's pretty scary to come up here. I have a friend who's been wanting to try stand-up, but he's a little chicken. <laughs> Dave is our best friend. Go, Dave! I'm so scared right now. Most of the time I felt like they were married, Mm -hmm. and I was just a bystander. Hey, buddy, it's Matt. Want to see how you were doing? Hi, Berlin. Hi, Farface. Mom! Hi, girls. Hi, Fruit Loop. Hey. How you feeling? Tired. Thanks for being here. I won't miss it. Can we talk for a minute, Matt? It's going to get very hard. You're going to see things from the cold never seen before. You don't need to do this alone. I can come help you get to the other side of this. We'd love to have you. How long do you think you'll be up there? I'm hoping just a couple weeks. I just want to make sure Matt gets back on his feet. I usually make breakfast and dinner. Maybe you can take some of that weight off. Speaking of, I was hoping you'd call me Grandma Dane. Sure. Molly, excuse me. Sure, I'll call you Grandma Dane. Thank you. I want to make a list. I'd like to write letters to the girls for certain milestones in their lives. I want to have blue hair. Molly, will you tell me when it's happening? It's not happening. Her entire life, she's wanted to be the Grand Marshal of Mardi Gras. And I want to sing on stage with Katy Perry. That all seems pretty doable. Does it? gone for three months now. I thought that you were going to be gone for a couple weeks. What changed? I got here and I saw that one person can't do this job. I'm still a valid person, Matt. I don't think you're this upset because I'm late. What's happening to Mom? I think you're mad because Mom is sick. Why are you so hard on your dad? (laughs) Molly, you've broken my body. I saw you smile. Nicole's my best friend, too. I'm happy to be here. All right, so that was the trailer for Our Friend. Um, it is the story of a, uh, a little trio of friends, um, a married couple and their, their combined best friend. And the wife of the couple um, comes down with cancer. And the best friend of the husband sort of drops his life to go um, live with that couple and help sort of the whole family through um, all the uh, unfortunate things that come along with somebody being riddled with cancer. Um, So Stephen Miller, what did you think of our friend? So 
despite my prediction for you, like I am, I would say somewhat conflicted about this movie. And here's why I think the fact that this is based on a true story is both a blessing and a curse. Like this is the kind of movie that uh, like many things lately on the podcast, I went in without watching a trailer because why bother? You know, I saw Jason Siegel, Casey Affleck, Dakota Johnson. I'm there. You know, you, you asked me if I want to review it. Sure. I want to review it. Um, <laughs> and immediately this movie just, I could tell this is definitely based on a true story. And one of the three people at the center will write the story that this is based on. Like it just, it, it, it felt that way. Like it telegraphed something about the characters. And I think that can be good. You know, that can make a movie very personal. It can make it reveal details that you normally wouldn't reveal. I think there are some of those here that like a fictional film would maybe not choose to reveal, but it also tethers you to, a lot of stuff that only exists because it happened to be true. And also it makes it, it, it you can tell pretty quickly without even knowing the occupation of the characters at the center, who will write the story and who will not, because the one who does not write the story <laughs> is kind of uh, made to seem impossibly perfect and like yeah. very 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 good and doesn't get very many flaws i think it's fair to just say it's jason siegel um casey yeah. affleck plays a journalist slash writer in this movie and there is a strong bias in this movie to show the show the problems with casey affleck and i'll say dakota johnson though also dakota johnson goes through so many things in this movie you know it's hard to really blame her for a lot of the um the personality traits that are not perfect that are shown about her, they get the kind of real human treatment because this was based on a story by a man who wrote about his own life and felt he could do that for those characters. And Jason Siegel lives in this kind of almost impossibly good separate plane in the movie. And that imbalance struck me as kind of odd in, in, in places. Um, like I, like, I think this movie, for the story it's trying to tell, is probably, like, 20 minutes longer than it needs to be. I think it drags it out just because it wanted to... It didn't want to miss a detail. Like, it wanted to show you everything there could yeah. be seen about it. And you kind of felt that uh, insistence in the movie. I also think the time-jumping conceit is totally unnecessary and I think makes it very difficult to track where we are in the process like even though it opens up with a year every time it jumps time i couldn't tell you like at the end of this movie when the diagnosis happens for instance like i'm trying to like delineate based on like all the all the numbers they're giving me in every direction <laughs> and still depending on when it jumps i couldn't really tell you where the characters were and i, I didn't understand what the purpose was of making it non-linear except for just trying to do the 500 days of summer thing because you could yeah. like just trying See, to slice it up. Steven, I would argue that the only reason there is narrative jumps at all is because one of the fictitious pieces of the story that it doesn't appear in the Esquire article um, about maybe an act that one of the three does. Um, they want you to yep. pick up context clues and assume one thing when the fact is something else. Um, and that right. is the only thing that the time jump actually accomplishes. Um, and besides yeah. that, it very much feels... And also, th I think the unintentional consequence of doing that time jump is it's really hard to understand the relationship of these three people. Like, 
we learn that the first time that Casey Affleck meets Jason Siegel, it's it's after Jason Siegel has made a pass at his wife because he didn't know she was married, right? But in 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 reality, those two were like friends growing up through college, and I have no idea in the context of the real life story when the marriage occurred, but I feel like mm. I feel like that was just added to add a a sense of some conflict i I don't know it it doesn't make sense because it's like in one scene he's like man do i have to hang out with your friend that does the lights for your theater group man that guy hit on my wife i don't want to hang out with him and then the very next scene in every other scene they're all best friends and yeah he's doing all the work to help them survive through this cancer diagnosis and and i think it's you don't see it it would be one thing if they all grew up together in this small town and they've been best friends their whole life and just the two of them got married. But it's weird to see it in the context of how that friendship formed and how they became that close. Um, Because it kind of seems like they became that close through the interaction with the wife, right? (laughs) Um, Right. And it's it's, it's hard to understand. It's, It's hard to enter into this relationship without any context and be bouncing around time to different different times so yeah it was sort of sort yeah. of weird for me yeah so so i i agree you know i i think the time jumping makes it harder to track the progress of their relationship and maybe that's intentional because maybe the linear version of this story doesn't give you quite the arc that the movie wants you to see um I'm front-loading my criticism because despite all that, this movie like worked on me totally, totally well for what it wanted to do, which was very clearly, much like the Esquire article, which I'm glad like you know we both read, it sounds like, after watching the movie. Yeah. Um, much like the article, it wants to talk about the banality of death and all of the things that lead up to a person dying that are difficult to talk about and don't get depicted in works of art. Like... Paddleton is a movie I think about. Paddleton does it, I think, more uh, deftly than this film does because it it focuses on that and nothing else. Um, Manchester by the Sea, another Casey Affleck movie, you know, also kind of about that. <laughs> like, I, you know, this tragedy happens, but then there's all this other shit that surrounds the tragedy and how do people maintain their spirit, even if it's like morbid laughter or things amid all of that tragedy. Um that all, I'm a sucker for that narrative. And that is where it being based on a true story makes me really feel strongly in, in favor of the movie because it manages to do things that you would not want a fictional film doing. Like describing, like Dakota Johnson's character, when she starts to deteriorate, like her cancer is at a pretty heavy phase. I assume it's not a spoiler to say like her cancer gets to a heavy phase. I think this movie is predicated around, you know, that, that basic premise. If Um, if her cancer didn't get to a heavy phase, you wouldn't need somebody to drop their whole life to come help out. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Um, When it gets particularly bad, she starts to lose herself a bit and she starts to behave in ways that are, do not seem like just the perfect, heroine at the center of a film the impossibly beautiful person whose life was snuffed out like that she strikes you as a person who is complicated and was going through some real shit and was hard to be around and that kind of 
the ability to say that like even though you love this person and would do it again a thousand times it was hard to be there and it was not always pleasant i think that is the sort of thing that based on a true story gives it like the liberty to really dive in there in a way where i'm not sure that a fictional film could have done the same and hit me in the same way so that worked really well for me the second thing that worked really well and the reason I'm putting my chips in this still surviving, even though you sharing my nitpicks at the beginning so enthusiastically make me worried about the Affleck curse. The second part that if I know one thing about Christopher, I know he likes someone relating well to like younger sister type characters in this movie. And I would say Jason Siegel's relationship with the daughters in this movie is very much of that ilk I think he is fantastic. I love Jason Siegel in this movie. I think his rapport with the girls is charming as hell. Every time he was with them, taking some of the housework, taking some of the duties, like driving them around, distracting them, sitting with them in the waiting room. Anytime he had to do that, I was so on board with what this movie was doing because he is just so charming and I it, it just won me over 100% from those things. So... I'm split between a movie that I think if the leads, if Casey Affleck, Jason Siegel, Dakota Johnson were not really, really, really good, much like News of the World, I'd be like, there's no reason to watch this movie. Like, it, it, it drags, it extends too long, it slices and dices the chronology for no clear purpose, it has bloat that it doesn't need to have, but they are very good in this movie, and they sell it, and it made me be like a teary-eyed mess enjoying this film even as i watched all of the flaws i think in its construction so ultimately i still feel positive about this movie because the stuff that is true emotionally worked very well for me even if the stuff that is technically true felt like it got in the way so that is my that is my bid for our friend <laughs> our friend this film our friend <laughs> yes i mean we, we talked a little bit how the chronology was a little bit weird but um, and you, you've mentioned so far that Jason Siegel was was pretty amazing this film. And I think that yeah. Jason Siegel was the main reason I wanted to see this film, right? <laughs> like, I, I did watch the trailer. Um, you know, like, we, we hadn't quite yet picked everything that was coming out um, this weekend and what we were going to watch. Um, so I pulled up, like, a trailer for it. And, like, you know, four seconds in, I was like... You know, like the first music cue in the trailer, I was like, all right, I think we're going to watch this movie. So I, I sent it to you and it was just like, so these are the options. <laughs> so I, I was, I was, I was definitely, I was excited in, in, in a, in a prepared way to watch a film that was just going to emotionally wreck me. Um, and, and sort of just kind of like, you know, I was, I was prepared to be like, warmed at times but then also devastated by the end of this film um and i think yeah. for me um the film in general i think yes it suffers from the trying to tell a a real life story that somebody has already put to paper um but i i'm gonna i'm gonna argue that it fails in a different kind of way than than you were talking about you were talking about like things appear in this film like the raccoons that they like look out in the front door and like literal lines of dialogue like i'm an actual person or whatever it was it's in the trailer two seconds ago when we played it um but there's a bunch of things in this film that that are are in the film just because they were in the original story and it's being transferred directly to the film but that's not my complaint my complaint i think is that i can feel that this film is trying to add stuff that doesn't exist in the original text because they need to introduce conflict they need to come up with the reasons 
why people do stuff. And also it feels like they're trying. I don't, I don't know if it feels like they're trying to surprise you who our friend is or like, cause, cause depending on which scene you're watching, the wife could be the bros friends friend, right? Mm-hmm. Or the Jason Siegel could be the couple's friend, you know, or the, you know, the wife and Jason Siegel, the husband could be their friend, right? Like the, this film is sort of, it's bouncing between, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's freaking like Game of Thrones, right? Where every chapter in the story is told from a different person's point of view. Um, right. And, and I felt this weird pull before thing, but between things, but I think, and this is a feeling that I had before, like I literally read the Esquire article, like right before we got here to record tonight. So it's not like mm-hmm. I had any real context for it when I was watching the film, but I felt the strange pull of the film's desire to convince you that Jason Siegel wasn't actually giving up anything to come stay with his family and take care of them. He kind of needed them just as much as they needed him. And it was like, he didn't have anything going on for him in his life. He couldn't make any relationships work. And he sort of just was like, if I can be with this couple and and make myself useful, then I can escape from the my failures of being my own man and and making my way through the world and i mean correct me if i'm wrong that was definitely not in the esquire article <laughs> um, it wasn't though i do at this point want to point out that matthew teague was also an executive producer in this movie so it is possible that there are things that didn't make it into his esquire article that were still okay. there because he wanted it to be accurate like like that was kind of the sense that i got it okay I, honestly it the one main incident that you alluded to earlier, if the movie made that up, I'm kind of angry at it. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I, because I, the person it made it up about is not here to give their side of the story. So, what? Yes, what I would what I would assume is the other side of that story is what was made up. Like I, I, I would, I would assume for the same reason that you are that like, it would be kind of fucked up to make up that side of the story, but I would assume the elevator scene is completely fictitious because it's only there so they could fuck with you with the chronology of the story. Um, so those are like some of my general kind of complaints with the film is, is I feel pulled in too many different directions and I feel like the film isn't interested in, in just letting us deal with the situation at hand. It wants to tell these three different views of this one story, but neither of the three views feels that like profound or anything. It just feels like, like this is some stuff that's happening. And I, I think for me, because of the length of the film and the fact that like, there were too many pulled apart scenes. It didn't really hit me the way it could have. Um, all that being said, like Jason Siegel with the children is fucking great. <laughs> like yeah. him, him just doing like coming home and doing dishes and then being tired and like laying down on the couch was, was great on its own. Like I'll watch him just do housework um, and be just like a generally good dude. But, but I feel like the whole, the whole, like every single time frame, he's always talking about like, Oh, things aren't going great for me, but I, I think there's a girl I'm going to ask out and I think it's going to go well. Like, like that sort of cutting and like the constant, like jumping around to adding conflict between the other characters, the, the douchey husband of the woman he was, yep. Jason Siegel was going to ask out. There's a lot of stuff that comes into the story that feels unnecessary and takes away from what is otherwise like a, 
like a heartfelt story of watching something like I, I got like little tiny hints of relic in this, you know, right. at, at times where like, I'm like, man, there is like a way better version of the story that you could be telling that is just like deeper and more. And it felt just, I felt this film was just a little too surface level to really hit me. And I, I didn't find myself constantly in waterworks in this film, like the way I kind of expected to. Um, there were just a few moments, um, one involving uh, a girl yelling something in a hallway at school um, and uh, the the bro hug at the end. <laughs> yeah. But besides that... Work. What about the... Again, because I, like my only experience with the trailer was when we just listened to it uh, a second ago. There's the only moment in the film that is observed twice, which actually the next movie we record about also does the same thing where it like opens with a moment and then later it's going to come to it in yeah, more yeah. of a standard chronology. Um, that scene in this movie I thought was fantastic. I, I thought that the, the emotional weight of that conversation. Oh yeah. That got me too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, cause that kind of, it doesn't bookend the movie, but the movie like opens there and then like two thirds of the way through, we hit it again after we've kind of seen the progress of the disease. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so three times, three times it got me then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that part I thought was just phenomenal. Um, and really like, honestly though, that scene along with Jason Siegel, just being Jason Siegel kind of made the movie for me. And the rest was just like, try not to get in your own way movie. Cause like you already, yeah. you already worked on me. Um, <laughs> I do think by the way, I wonder what this film would have been if they just let it be from Jason Siegel's point of view, primarily and chronological, which granted when you read the Esquire article, you can kind of see that the time jumping also serves to elongate the period of time that Jason Siegel is spending at their place beyond the actual term that he stayed for helping Dakota Johnson. Yeah. Um, but if we just watched it like in a linear fashion where he shows up there, he is staying... He partly feels like the the deadbeat, and there's the tension there. But then also, he they need him. You know, it's kind of Jeff who lives at home. Like it, like he's good at playing that kind of character who is yeah. like wonderful to the core, even if his life isn't going the way the way he wanted it to. And watching that build up of them needing him more and more, and then the moments when they lash out at him and that whole dynamic, I think that would make just a fantastic drama if it was just watch Jason Segel experience life like wa watch this grief happen like obliquely and he's there, but he doesn't get to completely own it the way Casey Affleck does. And he's like on the inside, but he's not on the inside. I think that would be a way more compelling point of view than Casey Affleck's point of view, which is what this is tinged by. Even if the movie tries to shift around the perspective to make it be, feel a little bit more equal. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's one scene <laughs> that really bugged me and it bugs me in all of these type of films. Um, but there's a scene, it's not even like when things have progressed too bad, but like they've progressed enough that everybody knows there's sad news coming. Yeah. There's a scene where <laughs> Dakota Johnson is looking in the mirror and she's like, I am so ugly. <laughs> and I'm just like, shut up. <laughs> this, they, all they did was not have you wear makeup and you're, you're talking about how ugly you are. So that, that is, by the way, a thing, having read the Esquire magazine, I feel like this movie pulls its punches a little bit. Like this movie could have gone 
way darker if it wanted to. Like the Esquire magazine de- describes things that this movie does not touch. Yeah, yeah. no, yeah, for sure. Like the, the, there's there's depictions of like really, really hard to deal with situations, um, both mentally and physically that that it goes into pretty graphic detail <laughs> in that article yeah. um, that the film really converts to stomach pain and like lethargicness. <laughs> Uh, yep. so, yeah, so, yeah, so the movie definitely different. does sand the edges of that part, which you know, I, I wish it hadn't. Um, yeah, yeah. can I point out, by the way, that you compared this movie to Game of Thrones without even mentioning that Gwendolyn Christie shows up? <laughs> yeah. That scene was also very strange. I was. Jamie did not watch this film with me, but she was like, oh, she was asking about different things. And I was kind of going into some of the things. I was like, yeah. And then just Brienne shows up for no reason (laughs) while he's hiking. (sighs) It's good times. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't argue anything. Like I also, I believe this film is flawed in its construction and it just, good acting just gets me. And this movie, I I think Jason Segel is the standout. Dakota Johnson, I think is a close second. Casey, you might be kind of canceled right now, but still, you did you did good with what you had to do here. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like they, much like News of the World and a bunch of things we've reviewed in the last few weeks. Actually, I feel like good acting covers a multitude of sins. And for me, like this hit me in the feels when it needed to. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, shall we get to verdict, Stephen? All right, if you're going to give us a must-see, a record with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I keep doing this thing where I'm teetering between wait for rental and recommend with a caveat, and I feel like I have to be consistent since I did it for News of the World, and this movie made me tear up more than News of the World did, so I'm giving it a recommend with a caveat. Caveat, I do think this is totally a, like Saturday rental type of movie. This is not a movie that is going to be remembered by you many months from now this is a movie that exists in the moment to make you cry make you feel something it gets in its own way a little bit but not enough to undo the truth the story and the emotional truth of the story and so it yeah it worked for me same caveat as news of the world probably didn't need to pay 20 dollars for it but it's okay um (laughs) i did we're coming out the other side you'll you know you'll you'll have a good cry or at least you'll feel like if not a real cry, you'll like feel the like, like, like you'll feel the urge to cry and you'll have to hold it back. And like, that's what we go to the movies for. Let's be real. Yeah. Um, Stephen, I also had to be consistent. <laughs> um, I consistent both with the review of News of the World and with and the curse, the curse of Casey Affleck. Um, I am going to leave this as a wait for rental. Um, It'd be one thing if this was like, you know, one Saturday I'm sitting alone and I just like pop on a Netflix on the iPad while I'm laying in bed and then like have a good cry to myself. It might have got that bump of like, ooh, it emotionally got me there a little bit. But in the context of like sitting down to rent this and be like, all right, let's see what we're going to do here. Make me cry. Um, I, I was kind cry. of, <laughs> I was kind of left not crying. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. But, but yeah. So for me, wait for rental. I understand. In in my defense, at the beginning of the podcast, I did bound it saying this won't be worse than wait for rental for you. <laughs> so let's roll the dice. So I I don't 
I don't have to eat too much crow. I feel like we're still in the ballpark of what I was expecting. Yeah, no, no, you were, you were, it was clear you were holding out hope that I would, it would mm. break the curse. Not that like this has to break the curse. Um, right. I so knew it couldn't be a must see either. Like I know, I know you, those narrative devices couldn't possibly give you a must see. <laughs> Um, all right. Well, that is going to do it for a review of our friend, Stephen Miller. People want to find you throughout the week. Where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Yeah, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you'd like to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spore the warning, facebook.com slash the spore the warning, or instagram.com slash the spore the warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at the spore the warning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to our friends. So hopefully you are enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that so so that is it. We have one more um, episode that we're recording in the succession, uh, but we should also mention that for us, uh sundance film festival starts next week um or the end of this week when the week that we're recording this um so steven and i are going to have like seven days of we're either at work or we're watching films um so i'm just going to say it there's going to be like at least a week break where there's going to be no episode of the podcast because we won't have time to record it we're just going to be watching films and then we'll figure out some set of some subset of the 16 or so films that we're going to catch um if everything works out um might get turned into reviews for for everyone listening but just a heads up these two episodes our friend and the white tiger will appear in the feeds feeds and then there will be a gap in time before any more episodes will come out um you're not going to just slide like the french exit in there or something <laughs> is uh what is the release date for that because oh i have no fucking idea is that ever going to be released <laughs> i i mean i definitely saw a story about the trailer coming out like a few weeks back so i think it might be sometime soon but um but yeah so so just a war- fair bit of warning little lull in the podcast for a little bit and then just an avalanche of films coming at you so be prepared for that be prepared i don't know that's a reference to (laughs) it's scar's song in the lion king i guess i had big cats on my mind preparing for the next the white tiger (laughs) all right i'll see you there steven bye